the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There has never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Go to LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. Coming up, Tim Young, at Tim Runs His Mouth on Twitter. Do you know who he is? You'll want to. Stay tuned. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. All right. Welcome to Sideline Sanity. You know, there was a stretch of time. Many of you know, I just I just jumped off of social media. I had had it with all of it and I jumped off. But lately I've jumped back on and I'm finding a lot of people I like to follow. And one of those people who just happens to make me chuckle every time I see one of his tweets is Tim Young. And he joins us now at Tim runs his mouth because he kind of does on Twitter, which is refreshing. Tim, how you doing? Crazy concept, right? I always like it too when like trolls say like, "Oh, you're really running your mouth. Your handle's the right thing." I'm like, "Yeah, that's that's the idea. That's I'm that's, not. That's, I don't take myself seriously." So it's yeah, it's amazing how many people do take their tweets very very seriously, uh, the, whether they're blue checked or not. You know, it's when you get a response to a tweet that you think, "Good lord, what is this? How? What do you do? Do you tend to ignore or do you go after them?" I've reached a point where I ignore them. Um, yeah. There are times where like if it's a blue check and they're really stupid, I'll say something. But for the most part, <laughs> like you get to a point like and you've got to be at that point, too, and, and probably earlier than me because of your your experience in TV and whatnot. Like you just start ignoring the trolls. You almost sort of feel like a sociopath because people are saying the worst things to you and you're like, OK, whatever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but it is amazing, though. People are saying the worst things to you. You know, I'm not just talking about to you. It's the general you. Yeah. It's amazing what people are capable of saying on Twitter. We call it the keyboard warrior or whatever, how everyone's got courage behind the keys. But I, I, some of these people are legitimately, you know, out there people. I can think of a few celebs who say some stuff that I, I, I shake my head. What do you, what do you make of, of, are people as, is it stupidity? Is it anger? Is it ignorance? Is it all of the above? What is driving so much of this hatred? I think it's ignorance. So my rule is don't say something on Twitter or online that you wouldn't say to someone's face. And I don't think a lot of people kind of follow through with that because there's a different generation now, right? Like um, we came from generations where, uh, you know, if you said something inappropriate to somebody, you'd get punched. Yeah. Um, and that's still how I play the, play the game. A lot yeah. of folks now are in the participation trophy era where, uh, if, if they get punched after saying something completely awful to someone, then suddenly they would claim to be the victim. And so yes. that dynamic has shifted where like, 
as much as it seems like I'm a troll or somebody, you know, somebody from our generation is like a troll, uh, they're still respectful as opposed to saying, you know, the most horrible things to someone. And it really does just come down to, did you get beat up as a kid? Yeah. It just seems like it's very, very easy for people, if they disagree with you, to just call you a name. A bigot, a homophobe, a xenophobe, a racist, a sexist, a transphobic. Yeah, all all of those things. All right. So if you wouldn't tweet something that you, you know, you only tweet things that you would say to someone's face. If you had the pleasure and the privilege of being in on a Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi press conference, and you had an opportunity to ask her a question, what do you think your first question to her would be? Oh, it would have to be something complex. I, I would go prepped and it would be something complex about her insider trading with her husband. Yeah. Uh, because I loved how she ran, actually, it's my most popular tweet ever the other day, how she ran off the podium when she was asked about that insider trading. Have you have you ever given your husband uh, information? And she like quickly ran. She acted like she didn't hear it. And then she ran away <laughs> like the Dave Chappelle's cat. And I think you show up with data and, and compare her investments to someone else. I mean, it would be it would be a very complex. I'm not a total goof. Uh, it would be a very complex uh, data-driven question where she would have to answer it because their their investments in tech and their success in investing in tech is, I think, like less than a percent of people have the success that they have. So it's very clear that you can draw the line that there is uh, uh, insider trading there. So I think that would be a, that would be where I'd start. She strikes me as someone who is either in such denial or she's she's almost got this weird brain that allows her to Drunk. look at all the things she's done and be okay with it and and act as though she's not I mean to me she's let them eat cake on steroids you know when she did the whole ice cream thing on on late night TV when we were all locked down in the pandemic I get by with these really expensive ice creams and now with the insider trading and all of this I, I'm I'm baffled by her and I just sort of wonder if there's some if you become so powerful and wealthy that you lose all track of reality, what do you make of that? So there's two elements. Number one, I always have to mention this, and I think it's the most amazing thing. When Trump first shut down the border to China when COVID started, do you know where she went, the first place she went in San Francisco? She went to Chinatown. Yeah, but do you know specifically where she went? No. Fortune cookie factory. That is, that's an American (laughs) thing. And it's such a stereotype. That's like if something happened on the border, I'd go to Taco Bell. Um, (laughs) Like that's like, it's like, it's so unbelievable that she did that. And like, you know, the media just like glanced over it. Went to a fortune cookie factory. No, she comes from uh, a long line of Baltimore mayors. And that's, that's where she grew up. So I'm, I grew up in Baltimore and I I got to, I worked for uh, Governor Ehrlich back in the day, who's kind of a rhino now, but um, so I, I worked in Republican politics in Maryland, and I got to see the corruption in Baltimore, in Baltimore City in particular. I was trained as a public defender. I went to law school in Baltimore. And the when you realize where she came from, the D'Alessandro family, um, and how kind of corrupt they were, and like, I mean, the power is totally unchecked in Baltimore, and it's a, a total, whoever is the, the mayor there can do whatever, literally whatever they want. Nobody, nobody does anything about them. Nobody in the state will do anything about them. Um, when you realize her history, this is just how she was brought up. I mean, the, the, she is she is a legacy Democrat politician, but she's a legacy de- Democrat politician from one of the dirtiest cities in America, uh, as far as crime, as far as political crime. Um, I mean, it, it's it's Baltimore is the bottom of the barrel. Um, I'd imagine there are other. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine Chicago is pretty bad too. 
But Baltimore in particular goes unchecked because it's not quite as big as Chicago and kind of gets, it, it gets like miffed. The, the statistics, the crime statistics, statistics kind of like get um, pushed around a bit, but her history is, is all that. I mean, her, I believe it was her father was the one who put up all the Confederate statues in Baltimore during um, when things were getting desegregated to send a certain group of people a message. That's why a lot of the, the Confederate statues went up, by the way, in America. You know, um, th- oh, that needs to be pointed out. So, I mean, the, the the hypocrisy of some of these people is mind-blowing. But I didn't know you were so entrenched in the scene in Baltimore. And I think Baltimore gets overshadowed because of its proximity to D.C. So people are so focused on D.C. that they kind of go, oh, you know, there's the little brother of Baltimore and we'll, we'll worry about them later. But that is... Um, I mean, the corruption in the education system, it is, it is so sad to me. What, what, what's the kind of, can you tell us what the worst thing is that you saw there in terms of the corruption? Yeah. So, uh, under the O'Malley administration, when he was, remember, uh, Martin O'Malley was the mayor of Baltimore for a bit. I, it was, and, and you, it's either 45 million or $54 million disappeared from the school system. Just disappeared. The money just went away. Like that was just magic. Like they never found it. It just went away. <laughs> and and that's, it's unbelievable. And then a little bit later on, they found out that the, uh, the head of the department of education in Baltimore, her driver at the time was making $200,000 a year. I mean, well, she had like, a driver. I yeah. mean, that's just, just to start with, she had a driver. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it just, there's, it's unchecked money. It's unchecked power. They can do whatever they want in that city. It's it's remarkable. But that but the and again, I, I, I flipped the number. I think it's fifty four million. I think it's the higher number. Magically disappeared. They never found it. There was never any accountability for it. Um, that it, kind it, of that makes me sick, Tim. Like, how do we not hold their feet to the fire? How are people left so unaccountable in these situations? I don't know. Uh, no one know, involved- it, it's one of those things. It's one of those things, right? So, like, I mean, how do you check a government that is that is completely? I mean, it, they have a supermajority Democrat everywhere in Maryland. I mean, sure, the the governor is a Republican right now, but basically his policies are Democrat too. Um, yeah. But like, but all the legislation is all the legislators. It's it's a supermajority. There, there's just no checks and balances. And by the way, and like, I'm not just saying this about Democrats. If there's a supermajority of Republicans somewhere, they do the same stuff. It's just a different. It's, it's a different side of corruption. There's just when you don't have a check and balance system, things just go off the rails. Oh, and and things have been off the rails in Baltimore. It makes me really sad. I have some friends who live there and seemingly live content lives there. But I I, I want to say to them, what do you make of these education statistics that it's, no one's getting proper education in your public schools? I mean, it, that part drives me nuts. So. Well, well, you listen to sports when when they cover the Preakness, right? Like the yeah. if you go five feet outside of uh, where the Preaknesses run up there on North Avenue, that side there, it's awful. I mean, it is yeah. it is like it's almost like you know years ago people were outraged because someone said that Baltimore reminded them of apartheid in South Africa, right? Where you have like mm-hmm. very wealthy and then like one block over is very very poor. That's exactly what Baltimore is. And, and people got angry about the truth. Yeah, they were offended by that. They were like, how, how dare you compare a place in America? And I'm like, no, no, no. See, and that's the thing. Like, so I'm, I, I lean conservative, but there's a lot of stuff that I saw in the real world that to me, I'm like, come on, we can't deny some of this stuff. There's, there's just, yeah. there's a lot there. The, the other thing that, that bothered me and, and what I was like trained with in Baltimore is 
you know, when I see like a police involved shooting, not to get like super serious here, but like when like a, an unarmed black guy gets shot, I automatically think, what did the police do? Because Baltimore was so corrupt and the police there are so corrupt and so bad and get away with whatever that I just assume that the police did something wrong. Whereas like a lot of conservatives, number one, we shouldn't be jumping to either side in any kind of situation where we have no information. But for me, because of I was trained by um, the former head of the public defender's office, he was my advisor in law school, and I kind of started getting into that for a bit before I decided not to be a lawyer. Um, I just, I automatically am like, um, I, I don't want, not all cops are bad, but when cops are, certain cops are really bad actors. And in Baltimore, it's yeah. a lot more than normal. And so I'm, I'm trained for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. All right. Quick break. When we come back, let's find out why Tim Young decided not to be a lawyer with all those brains in his head <laughs> and shoes on his feet and all the rest of the Dr. Seuss. Stuff. I'm not wearing all shoes. Right. Oh, that maybe that was the problem. All right. Back with Tim Young in one second. Well, since November of last year, the stock market has plummeted, but gold has been on the rise. Gas prices are a joke. Inflation is at a 40-year high. The stock market is all over the place. And then there's this war in Russia, with Russia and Ukraine, rather, that has everyone kind of like wondering what's going to happen next. But the good news is you have options. All this instability is there but you have options. Gold prices are rising as investors turn to gold for protection. Gold provides a hedge against inflation and protects against a weakening dollar. Legacy Precious Metals is the only company I trust when it comes to investing in gold and silver. You need an investment that's going to protect your wealth and your retirement. So call Legacy Precious Metals today. You want to be proactive while there's still time Hate to remind you about 2008, but you remember those who invested in gold saw huge gains and others lost their retirements. Legacy Precious Metals can advise you on all of your options for investing in gold and silver. You can speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. And why wouldn't you? Just call them and ask some questions. 866-528-1903. 866-528-1903. Or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. All right, Tim, you said you're trained as a lawyer. You studied to be a lawyer, decided not to become a lawyer after pouring your heart, soul, money, effort into learning the law. Why did you decide not to become a lawyer? Oh, I turned into a total POS if I'm an attorney. I, uh, I viewed it too much as a game and not, and, and I woke up one morning and and realized that there's real humans uh, involved in it. And so I, 
I was being trained as a defense attorney, as a public defender. And I always thought that, um, and, and what really kind of dug into me was if I, I knew that I would win, I, I, I was very good, especially in law school. Um, the next crime is on me, right? So like if there's a, a rapist, a, a guy who should go to jail for rape and I get him off because of some sort of uh, technicality, which is very easy to do when you're dealing with um, dumb cops and dumb attorneys in Baltimore City or in Baltimore in that region, um, the next rape is on me, right? I mean, and that's just, I don't think I could live with that situation. And And really what it came down to, not to be all like rape talk here, but what it came down to was there was a moot court or uh, moot court is where you do like kind of fake court in law school. Mm-hmm. And uh, people played, you know, you have the different roles. And the girl who was the uh, victim of it was a, it was a rape case. Uh, the girl who's the victim forgot her line and forgot if it was a gun or a, a knife that she was held at. And she screwed it up. And I made her cry in moot court on the witness oh. stand. And that hit me harder. I'm like, oh my God. Like, luckily this wasn't the real world. And that hit me hard, like shockingly hard. And I was like, I can't do this for a living. Wow. Wow. But, but you didn't flip to the other side to become a prosecutor. I mean, it's, that's very interesting. You just said, forget it. Yeah. It's stopping fun. It's, it's not fun when you're like, I made someone cry and this was fake. (laughs) Like, and that was, that's horrible. And I and I was like, you know what? I um I can tell jokes. <laughs> that was like the other side of it. I like drinking and telling jokes. That'd be more fun. Yeah. Although you still can make people cry if you ply them with enough bourbon and say oh, something do. really mean. Oh, you don't need the bourbon. I can get people to cry. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it without the bourbon. Yeah. So yeah. you are talented. All right. I'm, I've got your uh, your your Twitter feed in front of me because I just find it entertaining. So Megan McCain, after the primaries in Arizona, complained that the ultra MAGA conspiracy theorists got elected, and she was very disappointed about this. And you responded, "Was I supposed to laugh at this? Because I did. Was that the? Um, do I have that right? First of all." <laughs> Yeah, she was so upset. I don't understand. By the way, I'm never getting hired by the Federalists, so I can uh, knock them too because her husband was <laughs> an editor there. Those two heard yes, her. Megan husband. McCain's husband is Ben Dominich. Go ahead. Yeah. If you told me that they just sat in bathtubs full of red wine and drank them with straws all night long, I'd believe it. They just, I don't understand. <laughs> like, they just seem like people who like live the most, you know, like my face deflated once I stopped drinking. There's no. <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Michelle, you know, like you, you may not admit it, but you know people like that. You've met executives, TV executives like that. You're like, okay, yeah, you drink constantly. Well, we, we all know people like that. Uh, but, you know, is she wrong? Uh, I don't know about the conspiracy stuff. I think she's just flailing and wailing. And, um, you know, at this point, anybody, I, I won't rule out that the the – 2020 election was stolen out oh, gasp um because i mean there's enough video out there of like dirty stuff happening and, and screaming that that's a conspiracy theory that that nothing happened uh sorry that something happened is is mind-blowing to me because obviously something did people have been put in jail here in uh in texas alone there was somebody who was i think she was convicted of 28 counts of election fraud so okay right. so there's, there's one right there like you can't say that it was the cleanest election ever and and remember going up to the 2020 election and that's what's crazy about all these people. They flip on a dime and they get away with it. So going up to the 2020 election, we were told Donald Trump was going to cheat every day. 
and that it was going yeah. to be the worst, most unfair election ever and foreign interference and blah, 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 blah. And as soon as Biden got the W, they were like, that was the cleanest election we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, no. how, like, where were you? We literally for like no. six months heard this stuff. Yeah. And and suddenly they're like, oh, and then anybody who says that it, it wasn't clean is a conspiracy theorist. It's like, shut up. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically in 2020 or 2016, you guys were the conspiracy theorists then because you you said it was stolen. It's, it's, it's getting to be a clown act. And, you know, I look, I'm a daughter of parents who grew up during the depression who really appreciate this country. My dad came as a son of immigrants. And so he, he's, no longer with us, but he loved this country and he taught us to love this country. And I was raised to learn history and civics. And I know that there's no other place on the planet quite like this good, bad, or indifferent, but a lot of good. And I see it turning into a clown show in front of my eyes. And we'll just start with the person who's supposed to be the leader of the free world. And that's Joe Biden. And we haven't seen him in days because I think he's tested COVID positive now 64 times or something. Yeah. How did we get here? Well, okay. So I think the way to fix it, forget how we got here. I think we got here. Because okay. Of- how, how? Oh, be better yet. Let's fix it. Go ahead, Tim. I'm all we, ears. We, the internet and TV is, is the, I mean, that's how we got here. Come on. We're, we're both, ultimately you and I are both part of the problem. Um, but it's fine because, you know, speak for we're, yourself. We're good. People. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, how, here's how we fix it. I think we put everybody through the same immigration citizenship test at 35 that every immigrant has to go through, but then add a piece to it. I'm very dead serious about this. And people think I'm kidding all the time, but I'm not. I think you should have a, uh, a physical test to remain a citizen of America. So you take this test, it's 30, you know, you, you do the, you do the normal like history, American history test that everybody has to study for and pass. But then the other test is uh, you have to get through the self-checkout line in 90 seconds with five items. One of them is a banana. And if you don't know the code for banana, whatever, but you have 90 seconds, you have five, you get like a can of food, milk, bread, one stray banana, and then one other item. You have 90 seconds. If you don't get through, they just, they haul you out of the country. They throw you somewhere. They can pick you to Canada. <laughs> I don't care where it is. But I think America improves significantly from that point forward because you, I don't know, you're a little bougier than me. I don't know if you go grocery shopping on your own. You may not. I do. I'm not bougie. You've earned the right not to, though. You know, you, you've been you've with a lot of people in your life. You probably, and you're successful. I have to go there. You wait in line at a Walmart between behind like three people in the self-checkout line, and you're ready to like, I'm ready to go on a murderous rage. I just... <laughs> I don't understand how hard it is for people to like scan the thing and then put your card in that really yeah. fixes America because it is just such a simple task that no one can do. Now, elderly people are exempt from this, obviously, but like young okay. people, this should be a thing right through it. These are very interesting litmus tests you have. I, uh, that's, that's one. fascinating. It's all I want. I went on a, I, you know, <laughs> I host, I host Sirius XM radio. I did an hour and a half on this the other, the other day and people, we're calling in and they were like, we agree. See, I uh, think you know, work. well, look, there are some physical fitness tests that are required in this country. If you want to serve in the armed forces, right? You've, you've got to be back, physically though. fit. It's, What's easier. That? it's easier now. They rolled, they scaled them back. It's yeah, not as they hard scaled to them back. Pretty soon I'll be able to qualify to be in the military. Well, we might need you at some point. So just keep well, that in mind. Keep I'll have that to in identify the woman in order to get in by the time they, uh, they <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, that's another issue altogether. In fact, we'll talk about that right after this quick break. Excited to talk about Uncle Tom 2. It unveils the Marxist strategy of creating false racial tension between Americans. Its ultimate goals? Obtaining power, destroying capitalism, and replacing God with government. Pre-order Uncle Tom 2 today on SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Go check it out today. So you mentioned you might have to identify as a woman to qualify for the armed services. This whole, I remember Hillary Clinton's alleged attack on women, the war on women, right? And she yeah. was all about the war on women. She was I think the war on women. There is a, <laughs> I think there is a legitimate war on women right now. I, I, I hate that term, but let's be honest. When Leah Thomas can get into the pool with a bunch of women and win NCAA titles, that's just flat out so unfair. And just because she decided a couple of years earlier to identify as a woman doesn't mean she belongs in that category of athletes. And yet, if you say that, as I just did, you're called a homophobe, a transphobic person. Yeah. Racist. It's, this is insanity. What, what is that? Do you think this is just such a small sliver of the population screaming at us and the majority of people feel like you and I do? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, okay. and the thing is the majority that, that tiny minority gets their way, right? Because they, they're on social media and they understand like that's, that's where they've camped out and, uh, and Democrats and uh, media people pay attention to them. I mean, look, my career is made because I write things on the toilet and then I get quoted in like every major publication known to man. Right. And it's crazy to me that that happens, but it's like, you know, lazy journalism, has elevated people to, uh, to new heights that they would have never had like in the eighties or nineties. Right. So that's where this kind of like this, the, these thoughts are getting pushed is that again, and also it's liberals that are uh, running these publications, but yeah, no, I, it's interesting. Like didn't uh, Leah Thomas, when she used to be a man was like ranked like 460th and then went to number one. Yeah. Smart, smart. Why not? Why wouldn't you take advantage? Uh, of the- yeah. Well, look, she took World? advantage of the system. The, the the NCAA let these women down in a big, big way. And it's happening in other sports. It's happened in track and field. It's happened in professional cycling. Brittany and it's Griner. just, it's now, now. Have you heard, have you Brittany a deeper voice than me? Anyway, <laughs> uh, look, I, I am concerned about Brittany Griner. The day we're recording this podcast, you and I, she is potentially going to find out her sentence in That's Russia. Really I, I do. It's going to be 10 years. They're, they're looking for nine and a half. I yeah. do believe that somehow we'll get her home, but the trade-off is going to be uh, uncomfortable. I don't think we're getting her. Listen, if you don't No. why would Russia negotiate with America when we've given $60 billion to a, an army to try to murder them? Why would they ever negotiate with us? Well, because we've got some of their folks. They didn't, they want, they wanted like, we were like, we'll give you the international arms dealer. They're like, we want that one. And the murderer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> just I know. This is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm genuinely worried about Brittany Griner though. I mean, I, I look, you know, whatever, she should have been more careful, but I'm not sure that that, <laughs> that warrants 10 years in a Russian prison. That's pretty 
cruel stuff over there. I, I, this makes me sad, honestly. And I don't even know her. I don't know her. So anyway, uh, that's another thing. But so you've got also this huge emphasis in school unions, school boards across the country now wanting to implement new language for pronouns and the like. Yeah. And we just had Demi Lovato change her mind. She was going as they, them, or there, or they. And now she's back to she, her, she announced. Because, and she's, and look, I, I'm going to give her some grace and say, you changed your mind. That's cool, whatever. But this is where it's getting silly. Like, how are we supposed to keep track of everybody that decides one day they want to be he, his, they, their, her, she? And then a month later, they come back to school and they've changed again. And, and now the teacher's going to get in trouble because they use the wrong pronouns. This to me is insane. And it makes us look ridiculous. Yeah. How you get around it is you ignore it all. How about that? Like, that's where we all need to be. It's like, yeah, shut up. How about that? <laughs> like, I don't care what your pronouns are. I'm going to be respectful yeah. of everyone just in general because I don't know people, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But it, the the moment the line is crossed is when people point at me and they're like, you have to say this to me. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't know. Yeah. And that's I where I don't have to say anything to, to anyone. I, that's where, yeah. When yeah. you start forcing people to say things, are we becoming authoritarianism here? Yeah. And poor Demi Lovato, man. You know what? The, the thing about her that gets me is that she's one of those child stars. And I think like everyone in that industry that came up like in her generation was screwed up for some reason or or another or like molested or something. There was that creepy guy at Nickelodeon. Remember that story a couple years ago, that creepy guy at Nickelodeon was like into like kids feet and stuff. And if you actually watch the videos and the breakdown of it, he was like the guy who discovered like Ariana Grande and I think Lovato and a few other people. And like, there's all these scenes where kids are doing weird stuff with their feet in the shows. Like the guy was a weirdo. That like they kind of there like, are a lot of weirdos in Hollywood, don't you think? I mean, some yeah. of the, this. You look back now. Let's take a guy like Kevin Spacey, and you look at some of the films that he made, or you look at House of Cards and some of the scenes in House of Cards. I don't know. I was a fan in the beginning, and you think I, I'm starting to think Kevin came up with that scenario there, that that weird sex scene and involving sixteen people. You know. It's, I mean, like, so for me, and the reason that Lovato hits me a different way is like, I obviously, my default is I want to make fun of it. Right. But I don't, because I realize that there's something much deeper with her. And, and I, and I really think that it's some, and, and not like, again, five years ago, 10 years ago, if, if you would have told me that I would be having a conversation with you about, you know, like pedophiles or whatever in Hollywood and all that, I'd be like, you're crazy. That's conspiracy theory stuff. Now that like Jeffrey Epstein happened and all these other things have come to light, I'm like, oh my God, like this is happening. And mm-hmm. and these kids in this industry, I feel horrible for these kids in this industry. And I can only imagine what it was like in the 80s and 90s coming up, you know, while parents are forcing their kids to try to be famous, then you have all these kind of weirdos um, and freaks in, in the production industry. It, Britney Spears is another great example. Oh, but if you think about, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, I think because I covered the NFL for so long that I remember when I was in awe of a certain player or a player hit his peak and he was just mobbed by the public and adored and asked for in every post-game interview and, and all the rest, whatever. Peak, you know, just the peak of his craft. And then he retires and he's 33 years old. I'm not talking about anyone specific here. And it all goes quiet. What do you think happens to that person? I mean, if you come from a really strong, stable background and you've got good people around you, you learn to handle it. 
But if you don't, and your whole identity has been built around this, you're a football player, you're an NFL star, and then it's over, that's got to screw with you, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Not only that, too, they're out of money, right? So, like, I know one of the things that sports agents, uh, the game that sports agents play now are like like payday loans for these guys. So they've, there are a couple of agents that have made so much money that they give all their they, – they're like, hey, we'll give you your money up front if you want. We can give you like a good chunk of it. And then, you know, the, the agent then takes even more money on the back end. Yeah. Um, and so you get these kids who are like 18, 19. They come in. They're super popular, like you said. Um, they make all their money. They blow all their money because they're living a lavish life at the same time. And and they get spit out at the back end of the the – the uh their career they're at like 30 it's it's yeah. wild to watch and and it's a lot of mismanagement again we're just it's the entertainment industry just eats people up and spits them out and and they suck in kids when they kid can especially with athletes and and you know athletes aren't the brightest and best um they're just good at you know carrying footballs and throwing things or you know or, or you know dunking um yeah. So if they don't have a good team around them, they're screwed. Ultimately, it's, it's such it's, a weird. It's kind of dark. It's weird, right? Because everybody wants to grow up and be a rich, famous athlete or something, or rich, famous whatever entertainer. You realize how like dark and and awful people can end up. It, it can, and in the vast majority of cases, I mean, you start with just the college athletes who have been. I was going to say groomed. Am I allowed to use that word anymore? Groomed? I think so for this. Yeah. Okay. So you're raised, you're groomed to be a star wide receiver or a quarterback or running back or whatever it is. And that's your whole identity. You're, you skate through college because of it. You get drafted in the first round or the sixth round. And only a little percentage of those guys who were playing in college at the, their highest levels get to the NFL. And then those guys, you've got one Tom Brady, you've got one Peyton Manning. There are so few that end up being these generational stars, right? That even when Tom Brady's done playing, he's going to remain okay. Peyton Manning is done just fine. Drew Brees is going to be okay, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be all right. Uh, You know, Russell Wilson, and and he married Ciara, so they're going to be just fine. (laughs) It's like Patrick Mahomes. He's a really smart kid. He's He learned through his dad and what pro athletics was like. He's going to be fine. I think I've just listed off maybe eight guys. Yeah. Out of the entire NFL population who are who are going to remain, I guess the word is relevant, but there are plenty of guys who were superstars that I've known very well throughout the years that I've covered this, who I hope they're having happy, pro- productive lives, but they don't remain at the Tom Brady level, right? It's It's like you said, it's kind of you get spit out the other end and forgotten. Well, you know, it's, I was just thinking, uh, you know, I, I did, spent my spent my years in Baltimore. I can't remember the name of the guy who was in The Blind Side. What was the What was that? Michael Orr. There you go. Great movie. Can't remember his name now. And uh, if I can't, can. most people can't. Right. I can only because, you know, that's my job. But yeah. e- even still, I, I saw a picture of Joe Burrow the other day and I didn't I didn't remember it was Joe Burrow. So but he's he's so young and fresh that. I, I haven't covered him enough, but yes, I know the blind side, great movie, Michael Orr, big star. I remember meeting him for the first time. And it was like, this is so interesting meeting this guy that we saw. And you're right. I, I'm not even, I'd have to look up right now because I'm no longer covering the NFL. I'd have to look up to see if he's still on a team. I don't know, but the, you're right. It goes from a peak to poof. And it's just really got to mess with people. So, it, so it how is. are you going to remain relevant, Tim? Oh, I'm going to work and I'm going to die on stage somewhere. Uh, I'm like, 
I just look words being a mouthy person. I, I shouldn't be where I am now, but uh, things continue to grow and they're growing at a much more rapid pace for me. I, I don't think this goes away, but if it does, I'd be totally happy with that. Uh, you would, <laughs> you just sit with your bourbon. Uh, yeah, you know, I, so I, I do a bourbon podcast too, and I'm, I'm pretty respected in the industry with that now. And, uh, um, it's kind of, it's crazy. Like it's, I have expanded and I continue to throw darts all over the place and expand my business and do other things, uh, constantly. There's not just one thing. So, you know, I grew up, uh, grew up super poor in Southwest Baltimore and, uh, and learned not to take for granted what little you get. And so, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Uh, it's very, very cool. Before I let you go then. Give me bourbon 101 because I don't drink bourbon. Tell me why I should try it. If you don't, then don't. What's your, what's your drink right now? Like when you, what's your default drink? Some girly thing? Vodka I'm just soda? a wine drinker. I like nah, Pinot see, Noir and Cabernet. It, it's really hard to get women over to, not to be, it's hard to get women it's over okay. to. It's uh, okay. I don't, I'm not offended. But if you do it though, uh, this is my favorite starter. It's Angel's Envy Rye. And uh, it's very, very sweet, uh, aged in Caribbean casks, and it tastes like dessert. It's kind of very, very caramelly, um, and uh, it's about eighty-nine bucks a bottle. This is this would be the starter that I'd give you, and you'd probably be like, "Oh, that's different." And that's usually okay. how I get people in. And actually, so uh, not only do I did I say that I've done this, so every person we've talked to, so on my podcast, Let's Drink Bourbon, um, uh, which I host with my co-host is Wesley Henderson, who helped found this. Uh, well, was the founder of it. Brad Paisley agreed with me. He was our first guest. We had Brad Paisley on um, and all the nice. other Nice. Nice name uh, dropping uh, there. That's good. Yeah. Uh, all the other uh, founders and, and country music stars that we've had on, uh, they agree that Angel's Envy Rise is the way to go. By the way, right next to that, two bottles over, is Peyton Manning's uh, Sweetens Cove. Weeded whiskey. I, I'm looking cool. at the alignment of the label and trying to figure out if there's some sort of cryptic you know, NFL well, passing play involved there. Probably. And then you got the colors there, right? You got your, uh, your blue and white. So there you go. The Colts um, colors, you know who you should have on your bourbon podcast. Have you yeah. asked Chris Collinsworth? No, you can, you might want to extend an invitation. He's a big bourbon drinker. I listen, I wanted to get away from politics. That was the whole point of that. And I'm very happy yeah. to continue to be away from politics with that. You know, what's amazing is that for me being as political as I am in my entire career being based on it, I hate it. Um, you know, you love really? the NFL, you covered the NFL. I hate politics. The more you get involved, the dumber you realize people are, like especially Well, of- that that is the truth. That is the truth. I I, I hate to say that. But that's what scares me about the more that I get in and and what I see in these people who are running things. Yeah. And it's that I'm fearful of that. It's Tell me school. we're not going to lose our great republic. Uh, well, idiocracy. You're is, not telling uh, me. Idiocracy is pretty accurate. I'll be very honest with you. And when you realize that, like when you go into conversation, so there's a couple of really good people and there's a couple of very altruistic people up there. But when you realize most of these people are banging reporters and banging each other and like cheating on everybody and like just are drunks or whatever. And, and you're like, oh my, like, it really, the, the ivory tower crumbles real quick. You, you've got this very high uh, sense of morals and values with your elected officials and you shouldn't because they're no better than, actually a lot of them are way worse than most normal people. No question. And on that happy note, <laughs> I expected for Tim to cheer me up and now I'm depressed again. But you know, it does make some good people want to run for office yeah. because they want to get in and help clean things up. 
And, but it's so frustrating to know whom you're going to have to deal with and how you're going to be able to do that. But I'll just keep uh, hoping and praying and I guess trying bourbon. Yeah. And don't watch the news once in a while too. Just turn it off. (laughs) It really makes me happy to not watch the news. It's, it's, it's a good, it's a good way to be ignorance is bliss. They've said that Mm -hmm. and it's proven out. So you can uh, check out Tim Young again. He's on Twitter at Tim runs his mouth and he does and it's fun. And then the the other, so the plug your two podcasts here. It's what's the bourbon one. Okay. So I'm going to be doing another one coming up here pretty soon. So I never do the one, but I do the, I do the bourbon one all the time. Now I do let's drink bourbon. It's fantastic. Uh, you can hear me on Sirius XM like all the time. I'm the I'm the top fill-in for Sirius XM Patriots. So like I basically am all over that network all the time. Um, and I had a political one for a while, but uh, I was like, man, I hate this. <laughs> so I stopped doing it and I get yelled at. So like I have all these like professionals that are like, do you know how much money you could be making if you're doing a podcast right now? I'm like, yeah, I hate it though. So that's fine. I'm good. <laughs> hey, money isn't everything. It is. It's, it's, it's not everything. Happiness is that trumps it every time. Tim, I hope we can do this again. This was a lot of fun. All the best to you. Good luck. Let's drink bourbon, folks. Appreciate you, Tim. Thanks for having me. This has been Sideline Sanity. I'm Michelle Tafoya. Tim runs his mouth on Twitter. Hey, be brave, do good, and try some bourbon. Well, we always appreciate it when Charles Thorngren can join the join the podcast and talk a little money and gold in particular with us. Gold and silver. And Charles, it's these are mad times. I mean, it's just really wacky. And anyone who's watching the stock market is probably asking themselves, what do I do? I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not, I don't know how to ride this roller coaster with everyone. And so obviously you recommend investing in precious metals. What's the first step that someone should take in learning about what precious metals can do for them? You know, the, the first step, um, give us a call, right? We're, we're going to show you what options there are available. Um, that's what legacy is about is showing you options and educating everyone. The important thing to know is that we don't invest in gold and silver because it's pretty or because it's, it's unique. Those things are true, but we do it because it has the history of being the true diversity for someone's portfolio. It's the insurance policy against everyone's retirement and their uh, their savings. So, so this is why we look at at gold and silver specifically. It's the currency that was always meant to be, right? It's not a fiat currency. There's no um, inflationary effect on it. Gold and silver are going to be worth what they're worth. The thing that changes with everything is the amount of dollars it takes to buy that gold and silver and the amount of dollars you get for owning that gold and silver. That's the big key. And this is what people don't understand about it typically is that it is not the stock market and it is not the dollar. It's an investment that is counter to both of those. So it gives you true diversity and balance is what everyone's looking for right now. They just don't know it as inflation gets higher. This is where gold and silver come in. Someone is saying, okay, I want to do this, but I want to choose one or the other. When they call you and ask you these questions, when would you recommend gold and when would you recommend silver? 
You know, that's a great question. And what a lot of people wind up doing is actually doing a little of both because that's possible, right? But it's going to depend on your specific investment parameters. And that's one of the things we're going to do that we're, we're different from your typical stockbroker because we're not going to say, this is what all my customers are doing. Because that's not what's important. What's important is what matters to you and your portfolio. When is your retirement coming up? What are you looking to accomplish, right? What are your risks? What are, what, are your, what are your safety features that you need? So there's a lot that goes into it. And what we do here is talk with you, right? Our, our big thing is to educate you so that you understand why you're doing it as well as in what form and fashion. Because that's important. It is important. And I think, too, that people probably think uh, I'm a small investor. This is not for me. I can't I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do this at a level that will benefit me to them. You would say what? Um, I don't think you can afford not to. If you have money saved and you're not flush with cash, it's more important than ever for you to make sure that you put yourself in a protective situation. Right. You have less to lose. So you should not lose it. It's really, you know, it's it's not about how much money you have or don't have. It's about how much protection you need. And if you don't have a, a very large portfolio, then you probably need it more than the guy who does. Because you can't afford that loss. And look at what the market's done over the course of the year. We are talking about a situation where the loss is extravagant and it's not done yet. This is why we look at uh, precious metals to counter that. And lastly, Charles, for those who fear that a recession may already be here or is coming, what do you tell them about how in a recession this investment helps out? Great question. A um, couple answers there. We are in a recession, um, but the reality is it's not going to get bad for a few more months. Then it's really going to be bad. What we see happen next year is going to be devastating. Just think 2007, 2008, right? The troubles with 2008 happened in 2007. It just took time for it to hit the market in a real sense. And this is what we see. You know, we have inflationary numbers that rival the 80s. Um, that's something that's going to be dramatic. So, when we look at this, we say, why do we want to do it? And that's exactly why. It helps because it's not the dollar and it's not the stock market, right? This is the safe haven investment. And if you look at long-term wisdom, that's what metals do. They give you a place to store your wealth without the effects of inflation, right? Inflation is good for your metals. The stock market correcting is good for your metals, a weak economy is better for your metals. So that's what it's meant to do. And that's why it has its place in the economy. We're talking about a worst case scenario right now. But even under the best of terms, the government tells you 2 to 3% inflation is a good thing. And at 2 to 3%, it doesn't sound bad, right? But over the course of your retirement and your lifetime investing, if you go 40 years, you've lost over 120% of value of your dollar. By not having metals. So even in the best of times, there should be some in your portfolio. And during the worst, you really want to make sure you get a hold of somebody who can explain why and show you what options you have. Yeah, that's why we love to recommend Legacy Precious Metals on our show, Sideline Sanity. 
So the website is LegacyPMInvestments.com, LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can also go to the website and find the phone number to call, learn a whole lot more. It's just worth asking some questions, right? A quick phone call and getting more information about everyone's specific situation. Absolutely. We're a no-pressure organization. Everyone who contacts us, they reach out to us. We share information. If it's right for you, great. If it's not, that's great too. Learning something never hurt anybody. No, that is true. And we're (laughs) glad we had you on to learn something from you today, Charles Thorngren. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Please go check them out. Just ask some questions. Learn a little something. Thank you so much, Charles. My pleasure. Thank you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.